Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. And during today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you all some real life horror stories. So they are not going to be any paranormal stories today, but just as scary, if not scarier. And the first story is titled A Walking Nightmare. Hello, everyone. My name is Lisa, and here I will tell you my story which I describe as a really terrifying, which unfortunately still affects my life today. You will understand why. Before I begin, I apologize for the grammatical errors. I am French and I'm not good at English. I've published the French text at the end. I decided to share it with you because it took place exactly two years ago and because I think it can serve to awaken the prudence of some. To put you in context, this happened on October 1st, 2020, in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. I was 17 at the time, and I had just left Ile de France near Paris for a provincial town to continue my studies. As a student, four hours by train from my parents, I obviously decided to take an apartment, but the prices were unaffordable for me, so I settled in a brand new student residence. It is in the heart of a rich residential pavilion, contrasting with small student residence. Everything is fine. I normally go to school, but right from the beginning, the teachers tell us that unlike students in other disciplines, we will have lessons in presence and not at a distance. So we will be the only ones to animate this part of the campus. In short, the first classes are going pretty well even though I have trouble fitting in like the others because of the masks and the nasty COVID. On Thursdays and Fridays, I finish at 8 p.m., which makes me return to my little house around 8.45 p.m. The tramway didn't pass often during the pandemic and made three stops before I needed to walk 10 minutes to my house. As you understand, I was alone on my way to school. But in the week of September 21st to the 27th, when I went to class in the morning, I met a strange man three times, dressed in black, wearing a hood, and whose face I could barely distinguish. Which bothered me at the time. The fact that it didn't fit in with the neighborhood's environment, but I didn't focus on that. Finally arriving the night of October 1st, as usual, I leave school, but like other days, I take the tram about an hour later. And as usual, I wait alone, and once in the tramway, I realize that just as the stop, there's nobody except the driver and me. So I decided to sit in the four-seat squares to make myself comfortable. At the next stop, I turn my head before the doors automatically close. My eyes cross that of a man sitting alone in black. And in half second, the man blocks the doors that were closing and enters. While the tramway is empty, he sits in front of me. I'm intimidated and understanding that the situation is suspicious, I look away. I prefer to look out the window. The more time that passes, the more my instincts lead me to believe that this man may have bad intentions. In my head, I begin to develop a plan to ensure that this person does not follow me when I have to go down. Once the tram arrives at its destination, I decide to leave at the very last moment, 
just before the tram closes. As I start walking, I hear a cry and turn my head. I see the man who managed to get out and obviously pinched his fingers blocking the door. I then begin to walk and he walks behind me. This time I'm sure I'm being followed. As I accelerate the pace, I hear the man do the same. I can even hear his breathing coming closer. Then it came to me to pretend to be on the phone. That might scare him. That worked at first. Indeed, when the man turned around, my phone rang. I think he heard the bell on my phone and therefore understood the deception. I turned around and saw the man slip something in his hand. I saw nothing because of the night, but I knew it was something. Then he starts rushing towards me. While I am out of breath, I rush into the crossing on a neighbor. I throw myself in the arms of the ladder and shout loud, can you get me out of here? At these words, my neighbor immediately understood the situation and returned with me to the residence. Before that, I turned one last time and nothing. The man had disappeared. Once I'm in my room, I start crying. I think back to this man's walk. Bingo. It looked exactly like the person I met earlier that week dressed in black. I decide the next day to make a statement to the police. During the day, I was called to tell myself that surveillance videos of the tram had revealed the identity of the person. He was a wanted man for the sexual assault and armed robbery. Apparently, he found pleasure in assaulting rich girls to humiliate them before stealing them. That's why he prowled in my neighborhood. This made my blood run cold, and I decided to go home to my parents. Apparently, the man was found two weeks later in another city for assaulting a young girl in a store. The morality of the story is pay attention to yourself, especially at night. And above all, nothing is better than following your instincts. Still today, we talk about it with my neighbor, because he confessed to me last year that he often saw the scene and especially rethinks my face decomposed of fear. He says he's deeply shocked. Even if this story ends well, it has developed in me a kind of distrust. I remain on my guard, especially when it comes to meeting people with hoodies. Now I keep pepper spray in my bag. And this next story is titled, The Time a Raging Customer Stalked Me in His Truck. I, 24 female at the time, was 21. I lived in a larger, small city in the Midwest. At the time, I had no car, a bicycle, and hardly enough money for a public buses. I worked at a retail battery lighting and repair store. I worked full-time and only lived a little over a mile from my job. Since I was female in a male-dominated field, I was often used to targeted abuse from men that thought that they knew better. Many times I stood my ground, and I flaunted my knowledge in subjects that these men couldn't grasp. 
Because of my willingness to learn and my close proximity to work, I often worked all sorts of hours, mostly by myself. This time, I wasn't the person closing and had a coworker, Joey, 22 male, who came in for part-time shift after he wrapped up classes at the local college. We had a close friendship and we often stood up for each other and stood in when we were flustered or needed to go to the bathroom in the back. Joey received a phone call for a possible repair on a smartphone, possibly LG, low tier phone though. And he wasn't 100% sure if he was a phone that could be repaired. He asked the young female caller to stop by for a consult. She had quickly agreed and said that she would stop by at around 5.30 p.m. This was a night that I was supposed to get done by 6 p.m. and catch a bus at 6.12. It was a windy, drizzly, early fall night. I remember this because I had my bike with me and it became my anchor that night. A little before 6 p.m., this frantic, terrified, bawling 19 to 20 something year old woman came into our tiny shop. I was at the counter switching out aging price tags and general store maintenance. I looked up at her, confused and willing to help. She looked me deep in the eyes, asking if Joey was here. At the time, he was pooping in our tiny bathroom in the back. So I had to step in and help out any customers. I told her that he was currently busy and that I was willing to help her. She handed me her smashed cheap phone very timidly. My customer service skills couldn't prepare me for what she was going to say next. She quietly told me that her boyfriend, who was out in the red mini truck in the small front parking lot, had gotten angry and smashed her phone when she tried to call her sister that afternoon. I took the backing off the phone and tried to research the model for any possible screen repair. No results found. I tried to hand her back the destroyed phone and she pushed it back in my hands with a pleading look. Then the honking commenced. There was this light drizzle outside. So our front glass door was covered in beaded drops and was slightly fogged over. I couldn't see who was honking out there. I told her again that I couldn't help and for her to try to call a cell phone repair competitor down the road. The tears started to really flow down her cheeks and I was freaked out at this point. She kept throwing glances behind her and the honking wouldn't stop. I shook with fear and rage at this point. I, myself, was in a domestic abuse situation at the time and knew that this girl was experiencing something terrible. I broke my locked stare at her and tried to look in our system again for a replacement screen. Nothing again. I looked up from our computer and saw a shadowy figure of a young man pacing in front of the store. I was just happy that the honking had stopped, but I was increasingly shooken up. My whole body vibrated with fear and I whispered across the counter if she needed me to call 911. She slammed her hands down on the counter and said that I couldn't do that. She begged me not to. At this point, Joey came out from the back and asked me what all the honking was from. We had a lot of elderly, a lot of farmers, and a lot of lazy and disabled customers that would honk their horns for us to pick up heavy battery cores from their cars. 
He thought that it was one of those situations, but with the looks on our faces, he knew something horrifying was happening. The young guy stopped pacing outside and began banging on our front door. Joey took the girl's phone from my hands and said for me to go to the back and lock the back employee-only doors. I did what I was told and grabbed my bag, my bike, and my jacket. I looked at the clock in the back and it read 6.14. I spent 15 minutes with this girl, both of us feeling like trapped animals. Joey did bodybuilding during his free time and was a gentle, non-comforting, short but stocky Asian guy. I was a short, obese, kind lady that would respond either of two ways, like a doormat or ready to stand my ground. I knew that I couldn't fight a customer and neither could Joey, not because of physical reasons, we'd lose our jobs and we'd have no idea what to do after that. The young guy threw the door open and the wind kept the door open. He had this manic, hateful look about him, a total predator he was. He was slim but muscular, early to mid-twenties and was soaked by the rain. He took the broken phone off the counter and took the girl in a tow. He hurled insults at us and gave the girl a pitted look. He slammed the door back shut and both Joey and I stood in absolute silence. Joey snapped out of it and ran to the front door and locked it. I told Joey to call our manager from our store landline and stood around while he did. I noticed that the guy had moved his truck to directly in front of our door. He was watching us from his truck, watching us behind the counter as we were on the phone with our manager. I had to leave to get home and the last possible bus came at 6.42 and I couldn't pedal my way home in this weather and all of the circumstances that had just occurred, I didn't want to do that. The time was around 6.18 and I just needed to cross the busy highway and down the sidewalk by an eighth of a mile to the nearest bus stop. Joey, the guy, and I played a waiting game. It was 6.23 when the dickhead finally left our parking lot. I told Joey that I would leave at 6.25 so I could arrive at the stop safely. Joey opened the front door and I threw myself on top of the bike and pedaled harder than I could ever imagine. Now mind, now mind you, our store was in an industrial shopping area at the very edge of town. We worked next to a sub shop and worked across from a strip mall with a bullseye store and a local chain grocery store with other retail stores and a bank and all that large lot. It started to downpour and as I tried to pull out of our parking lot, straddling my bicycle, I caught a glimpse of a red truck looping around the sub shop. The highway had dull lanes each way and I had to play real life Frogger if I wanted to make my destination in one piece. There was a few cars that slowed for me as I hauled ass to the other side of the road, jumping off my bike and throwing it on top of the curb. I promptly hopped back on and tried to pedal off. My front wheel was stuck in a grassy strip and my right foot had slipped off the pedal. My shin struck the pedal and, it, and I had to act quickly. I grabbed the frame of my bike and jogged awkwardly to the bus stop. The red truck pulled into a banking parking lot of which I had just passed. The 
the truck pulled around and went out through the entrance across from the sub shop and took the closest lane to me. He went at a crawl and turned at the red light so he could circle the main parking lot of the shopping center. There was three ways to get into the parking lot, one to the left, one to the center, slightly off to the right across the sub shop, and the other far to the right next to the grocery store. I stuck to the sidewalk since it felt safer and was in front of people. The truck patrolled the parking lot. The hunter stalked its prey. I felt cold, sore, and cornered just like an injured animal. There was a couple of cars that pulled out into the left entrance of the parking lot, causing the truck to stop from re-entering the lot again. I almost collapsed in the shitty small bus stop and felt my phone buzz. I saw that it read Joey, so I rested my bike to answer the call. Joey told me that he was watching and even though he had an elderly couple in the store that he was helping, that he wouldn't allow this guy to hurt me. I started to cry. All of this has just gotten to me. The red truck looped around once again and again. And I saw the bus pull up early at 6.39 and I couldn't be happier. I knew the driver since I used the buses to get around town, errands, shopping, and to get to and from work. I had my stupid fucking bike to worry about. I hung up the phone with Joey, putting my phone in my jacket pocket and strapped down my bike to the rack that was in front of the bus. I struggled since I shook and my bike was slipped from the rain. I got on the bus and turned to open the bus doors and saw that the truck took a left at the center entrance of the lot. I could finally let my guard down. I sat in the front of the bus and my hands shook. I had to try to get the 125 for the fare. The driver said that it was okay and that I could take my time with the change. I kept my backpack on and pulled my damp phone from my pocket, dialing Joey's number, letting him know that I was fine. In under 15 minutes, I made it to my apartment safe, but so deeply disturbed. I took my bike in so it wouldn't draw any attention to where I lived. All of this gave me idea to leave my own domestic abusive situation. A few months later, when COVID took the world by storm. To this day, I wonder about that girl and hope that somebody more daring and stronger than me called the cops on her abuser. That she had the strength to leave that violent man for her to write her own story and to recover from all of it. I'm currently doing significantly better in life and finally have my own car and live a couple of states away safely from my past life. Even though I'm states away and it's been three years now, let's not meet again. And the final story for today's episode is titled A Car With No Door Handles. For some context, I was 26 and I'm a lady. I needed gas and it was around 11 p.m. on a Saturday. I pulled into a busy gas station to fill my tank, except it was completely bare, not a car in sight. I also live in Alaska and it was very cold this night, maybe negative 10 degrees. Tired after work, just wanting to get home, usually I started my pump and sat in my car due to the freezing cold, but this time I had a weird feeling that I needed to stand by my pump, so I did. 
I just started pumping my gas when a little golden sedan pulled up right next to me. A guy got out and I was feeling hypervigilant for some reason. He started cleaning his completely clean windows. As he put back his squeegee, he started towards me. I felt like I wanted to run, but stayed calm and continued pumping. He asked me if I could help him. He needed to put some windshield wiper fluid in his car, but he ran out and he doesn't know how to open the hood. I laughed it off and told him I don't know either, which was a lie. He kept getting closer and closer to me while trying to lure me into his car by saying there's something under a seat he can't reach because he's too big. Now, I'm 5'2 and petite, and this man was large and scruffy. Think Alaska wilderness, dude. At this point, I'm freaking out and hit the call button on the pump. He took a step back and started to go back into his car. I thought I was being smart. My gas is almost done. I looked into his car and I noticed the insides of his door had no handles except for the driver door and that freaked me out. I was putting the pump back and opened my door. He was right behind me then, slammed my door shut and yelled, you're coming with me. Obviously I refused and was petrified. He grabbed my arm and slammed me against my car. I elbowed him as hard as I could and started screaming at the top of my lungs. Thank God for the gas attendant with a big ass gun that night. If, if he wasn't there, I, I don't know what would have happened. The attendant pulled the video and we made a police report. I called immediately after the guy took off and I never really heard anything else about it. I just hope he didn't get some other girl alone. So to the guy with no door handles, let's not meet. Alright you guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the real life horror stories. Be sure to once again give this podcast a 5 star review and if possible at all and you're listening on Spotify, hit that share button to your social media and get it out to all of your friends if you're enjoying. Thank you all for listening and I will see you next time. Voices Media.